Welcome to the Millennial Soul Food Podcast, episode 43, all about Beyonce's Renaissance concert. Enjoy. What's up, what's up? We are back with another show. We are focusing on Renaissance. You won't break my soul. Period. Oh my God. Wow, that concert seriously changed my entire life. This is going to be a deep dive into uh, my experience of the Renaissance concert. And we are primarily going to be talking about the imagery that Beyonce and her team um, had kind of going through the the performances. We're gonna talk about some major conceptual themes. We're gonna I'm gonna kind of dive into my academic bag with this one, honey. So you know, yeah, get your pens and papers if you're trying to study later on. If you wanna do a little bit of research, um, y'all know I'm a research girl, period. <clears throat> but I did want to talk a little bit about why. This tour specifically was so important for me specifically. (laughs) Um, It's the 20th 20th anniversary since um, her first album came out. And so this was 2003, Crazy in Love. You remember where you were when her first album came out. (laughs) Um, But the first album came out. Crazy in Love, got me looking so crazy right now. That was 2003, yes. Mm. And her first album, Dangerously in Love, came out. For me, I was actually, I was like 13 years old, and I was going through a phase in life where um, I was going to like more like Kojic church, but I was kind of, I think, you know, when you're a younger spiritual person, you look to whatever you can in your immediate environment to try to find some kind of deeper connection before that phase where you just get jaded and then you're just kind of like, fuck it. But um, I feel like a lot of witches go through that, like, um, especially if you are, a, if you grow up as a religious witch, um, a lot of times there are periods where you you, you dive into the religion because you're looking for that deeper connection with divine, but that that connection is only going to come through yourself. Which, shit, that's another theme in the show I just thought about. But um, anyway, <clears throat> I was really trying to figure out like my path in life and kind of my spirituality, and I was I was like speaking in tongues, sort of in church, but. I was kind of growing more in like the Pentecostal faith or whatever because of my friend or whatever. I was going to church with his family and stuff. And so basically this album came out in a string of events and it really helped me kind of accept that I I was like listening to Beyonce's music and it just made me so happy. And I kind of came out to myself at that period and I was like, you know, I just went through... a a period at fucking 13 
dealing with, you know, like, well, if I'm going to live happy, you know, I don't care if people think I'm going to go to hell. I don't really feel like this is wrong. So, um, Beyonce in that context, they encouraged me to like live, live in my queerdom at 13. Yes. <laughs> but, um, I don't know what it was. It was just something about her energy, her like just big energy seeing Jante and the Freakum Dress videos. Beyonce's just always been one of the girls, you know? She's just, period, she's always been one of the girls. Like, don't even act like you don't know. Like, period. So this was really important for me because it was like 20 years later, you know, I, I don't think I could have imagined myself being where I am now, you know? Um, I guess, like... You know, being gay and stuff in Atlanta. Because um, back then when you're when I was like 13, you know, if you're like a part of the um community, there is a time when you're a child, you know, and usually going through because you don't really know where your life is going to be going. So it feels really special that Beyonce did an album that is dedicated to to the queer peoples, um, going to the concert in Atlanta. That was absolutely amazing. I was there on the third night when she brought out the Dubai. She sang that down. We were all just like, oh my God. She started doing that and then she rose up. Them streamers were going and whatever, the fire. I was like, Lord, it's Shabbat. I was actually hoarse for a good five days after that. And my ears were ringing for like a week. I had to, I prayed to St. Jude. I was like, St. Jude, heal my ears. And I gave a little charity donation. Um, And thankfully... <clears throat> I'm healed, you know, I'm back to normal, but Lord Jesus, the, the ATL also, we won the mute challenge, period, every, all three days, big wave in the room, the crowd on, wait, big wave in the room, the crowd gonna move, look around, everybody on mute, look around, it's me and my crew, y'all won, y'all won, y'all won, <laughs> Oh my god. Um it was a good time, but I want to talk about the concert itself. Let's move into it. Let's let's get into some things. Let's get into some things cuz y'all know I want to I want to set up the way that I am that I'm the way that I'm presenting this conversation is that Beyoncé, I know that Beyoncé has a creative team. And in these types of analyses, you look at the imagery because you have to think this is a worldwide tour. This tour, everybody is going to this tour. So naturally, there, there's a lot of imagery. So, of course, there's going to be a lot of careful consideration. Um, And not like I understand the parties that might be stakeholders and you know the imagery and stuff like that and the ritual because it was a ritual 
as a witch, I will tell you. I was here for the ritual. I'm like, y'all say, like, give me that. I'm here for it. I'm in the Bay Hive. But um, <clears throat> definitely a lot of imagery. We're going to go deep. We're going to go into Greek mythology. We're going to be talking about a lot of different things. But there is a lot of imagery. And so what I want to set this conversation up is to be like, okay, and through a lot of the art, we see what is going to be happening in the future with this predictive programming, through entertainment, through art, through movies. There's all kinds of concepts, all kinds of themes that we see presented, um, hidden in plain sight type of stuff. Because honestly, if you, the concert... Like Renaissance itself, the album is a disco album. You know what I mean? It's like it's disco, which disco later evolved into house. Um, this is kind of an aside, but a little bit of history about um house and disco. Um back in Chicago in the eighties, late seventies, early eighties, there was a lot of contention around um disco because honestly, a lot of white men were mad. Because they felt like it didn't really represent them in a strong light. Like with the Bee Gees. A lot of people were trying to be all rock and roll and all this kind of stuff. But um, there was like this whole thing in Chicago where it was at like a game in the Sox Stadium. Um, and they burned all of these disco discs. It was called Disco Demolition Night. 1979 in Cosmicky Park. Cos Comiskey. <clears throat> and so Chicago is such an important part of house music. That is where it emerged, but also this is where the death of disco started. So you can go look it up, look up more about it at Disco Demolition Night, but a lot of the albums that they were burning were black. It was black music. And so they, it was a baseball game, Chicago White Sox Stadium, Kimiskey Park. And basically there was like um, also, I think an explosion and all the, they, it was just, it culturally, it was just, it signified the decline of disco. Um, but also it was kind of racist in a lot of ways. Um, because disco, of course, you know, black people, we, we rule the music. But it was a lot of white males, 18 to 34, who saw disco as a product of homosexual blacks, Latins, and Latinos. You know, it was a, a greater expression of bigotry. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a terrible event. But um, we see disco go underground after that and then it transforms the house music as we see the proliferation of these technologies that um give creators give artists different ways to um to make sound you know to manipulate sound so it's really cool and then you know we always add a little bit of razzle dazzle once everything so um, anyway, the album itself, like I said, Renaissance, and that is also how Renaissance is tied to disco. And I, it's when you listen to the artists, like the samples that she 
um, took from are very integral to queer and to like house music culture. So that is the reason that I wanted to just talk about like how deep this is, how deep this moment is, um, and why it makes so much sense that she would have um, have it dedicated to the queer people because um, we the future. So it is very interesting um, that she kind of has all this futuristic futuristic imagery with you know um disco but it kind of makes sense to me i kind of see it as like it's like like, on a continuum it just kind of made sense to me but also beyonce always just puts out a bunch of random visuals but they're not all that random it's kind of like you have to have your third eye open to be able to clock what the hell is she trying to talk about? You know what I'm saying? Son. <laughs> so, um, let's get into the concert. Let's get into the concert. So, this is not going to be in chronological order because a lot of that night I was screaming so much and it was a lot. <clears throat> but we're going to kind of start off. I remember... um it's kind of like Beyonce fell asleep. She fell asleep. She's laying down, falls asleep. Looking beautiful, mother. Um, And then a beam hits her and she transforms into a robot. And this robot is actually um, just like a character from the movie Metropolis. We're going to go over Metropolis later on, but a lot of this is based on that movie Metropolis. And there's actually been a lot of artists who have created works based on um, Metropolis, like Janelle Monet. Go look up um, go look up their album, The Ark Android. <clears throat> that is a whole album about basically Metropolis. So basically, um, whenever the story opens, we see her um, lay down and she falls asleep, turns into the robot. And then it's like we go into this portal kind of thing, which then there's another portal and later in the show where it's like a portal that's between her legs. Oh, mother. (laughs) And um, we go through this kind of series of like urban looking cities, which Metropolis is, that's kind of like the theme, you know, the big city, futuristic, dystopian. And then we also, um, we see, I saw a figure of Archangel Michael almost. Like it was like a um, something with wings and a sword. Um, also... There's a part um, in the show where it's like a robot is creating different parts of her. You know what I mean? So it's like that is also Metropolis. We're going to go over one of the central characters. But um, it's like the main character, the main robot character in Metropolis. So it's like transferring or creating sentient consciousness that is going to be... 
a part of the being of a robot, you know what I mean? So it's like, it had a lot of themes of like AI, you know, like it's kind of like, you know, we're in a situation right now where there is, it's kind of like an, an arms race almost, but with AI, they say that they stopped the research and stuff like that. But then for a, a second in the mainstream media, they were like, AI has gotten too intelligent, like, because it was moving at such a fast pace um, as far as, you know, with chat GPT. This isn't just chat GPT. This is like actual, like, a, this is AI on like another level because um, they don't even understand the information processing, processing capabilities. It's like it works on another like plane. It's like another level. Um, but the, these themes that she's bringing up that, the, that are being brought up in the show are so prevalent today. And so it's like what's well, the theme of also um, replicating human DNA. Cloning is a big Theme that we see throughout the show but we go through this portal into this other like robot place and then um she starts singing and stuff like that then i'm just kind of going through these and then i'm going to go deeper later on but um and then there's also a section where it's like a bunch of clones of her um i'm gonna have this all this stuff up on the blog um, so just look in the link in the bio to, or look in the link in the description to get to, um, these descriptions and stuff like that. Um, cause I'm going to put, I'm going to just put all this into a blog so y'all can see the photos and stuff like that. So look out for that. <clears throat> but, um, also there is America has a problem and in America has a problem. A lot of that was just about the media, you know, being brainwashed, all that kind of stuff. Um, but then there was a certain part when it's like she's in the church and there's a lot of candles. This was before Church Girl. And there's a thing. It's like anointed flashes across the screen after this huge progression. Um, and it's like she's saying higher 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 and then afterwards it goes to the celestial beings but in that church i'm going to talk about this um she looks a lot it resembles kind of baron samedi um not in terms of having the the painted face and stuff like that but just the black shades and the all black in the church in what looks to be kind of like a gothic sort of church um we're going to talk about the influence of baron samedi in a little bit um but I just kind of wanted to go through some of the main things that I saw in the show. Um, there's also like a burning horse. I, I still need to do research on that. I don't really know a whole lot <clears throat> about burning horses. But one of the things I wanted to first get into actually um, is the idea of... Um, Ooh, well, let's go get into Archangel Michael first. So I tell that I, someone tell me if you think it was Archangel Michael, but the way that Archangel Michael typically looks is with the sword and um, he has wings and is like battling evil. You know what I mean? And Archangel Michael is one of the most powerful 
angels that you can call on for protection. Like Archangel Michael is that one very, very deep in hoodoo, very deep in Christianity, Judaism, Islam. Um, the name Michael actually means who is like God, who is like God in Hebrew. Um, and this archangel is often regarded as a powerful and high-ranking angelic being with significant responsibilities and roles in um, Christianity, Judaism, and also Islam, and also in Hoodoo. Um, in Christianity, Archangel Michael is considered one of the chief archangels and is often depicted as a warrior who leads the heavenly armies in the battle against evil and Satan. So he's a symbol of protection and courage and justice. Um, let's see. So I, I did see, I feel like I saw an Archangel Michael looking kind of thing. It was just a thing with wings. Someone else also alluded to Morpheus. Um, and Morpheus might have been in there, but it's interesting because the story of Morpheus is very interesting regarding Beyonce because it was cool to see um, whenever she fell asleep, like she's mentioned in a lot of her interviews in the past that um, this is like for decades, like for a long time, she would be like, I dreamed, I dreamt up this show like she'll literally be um she'll work for like 20 hours straight and then go back and drink go to sleep dream up the show you know all the details and stuff and then she presents it to us so it's just very interesting that morpheus is a part of this because morpheus is um here's a little bit about morpheus so morpheus it moves between the realms and um is the god of dream or is, is the um is like the god of dreams so morpheus son of hypnos the personification of sleep was the god of dreams his name reflects his role in greek mythology uh, metamorphosis which translates to transformation um he could form and shape the dreams of the sleeping morpheus was part of the oneroi who were dream spirits and also brothers. Morpheus was their leader as only he had the skill to influence the dreams of gods and kings. His brothers would visit the rest of mankind. So Morpheus is responsible for shaping and sending human dreams and often appears to mortals in their sleep. So he has the ability to assume any human form within a dream and deliver messages or visions to dreamers. So his name derived from the Greek word morph. Um, so that's very interesting. Super cool. Um, so, oh, yeah, the Greeks believed that dreams were a means of communication with the divine. So it's kind of like. Which this is kind of something that Beyonce has done in her past shows, but. It's like she is, we are entering her dream in this show, but also it's adding to the energy of her, her self-realization as like her own 
god you know what i mean her own goddess and it's not like i feel like with the show she was really inviting us to realize our own supreme being not to worship her necessarily but it was kind of more like you know because it was cool because she would have the interludes and then she'd come back and it was kind of like you know she's like chilling with us performing da 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 kickback not even kickback but you know She's singing her ass off, and they was giving it all, period. But it was cool because it was like we we were in a dream with her, and um, also in her in her vagina, I guess too, because that portal was like what the robot the robots having babies now, baby. But um, yeah, it's kind of very interesting because I feel like a lot of it was it's about realizing the God within yourself. You know what I mean? So it's just cool because she's so inspirational. But yeah, it kind of just makes me think like, is does she work with a Morpheus form deity? You know, Eshu is someone who um, work is between the realms, very mercurial. Um, there's also a lot of crossroads energy. There was some eclipses that were going on also y'all know eclipses are very heavily associated with um spirituality and mysticism she had a lot of she had this whole section it was like an eclipse and all this burning and shit i was like the fuck but um the eclipses so it was very interesting so i'm like beyonce are you are you working with a morpheus figure because She's like one of the biggest artists on in the on the planet in history. So shit, I guess she is some kind of deity is bringing them dreams, some spirit, some spiritual pantheon. I cannot imagine what her spiritual pantheon is like. Um, but also, I like that she she really inspires us. She inspires a beehive to be like, y'all can do what y'all want to. You know, she doesn't. She doesn't sing songs where she's like shitting on her fans. You know what I mean? She sings songs where it's like, if you got just hating on you, because I'm cozy, comfortable in my skin, cozy with who I am, (laughs) cozy, unique, (laughs) unique. I'm about to start being those NPCs like Pinky Doll. Yes, yes. Gang, gang. Unique, unique unique anyway um so that's enough about morpheus morpheus like i said so it's like through this show through this show we we are entering her dream and i'm like so is this a part of what she dreams and what she sees for the future is this a prophecy because it definitely felt very prophetic because y'all know we got all these who cloned tyrone movies and shit now i'm not uh, i'm not saying any of this is true this is purely for entertainment's sake this is purely for conversation this is purely for intellectual stimulation um, I don't know what the hell they doing, but you can't tell me they cloned the sheep a long time ago. Let me look and see when did they clone the first sheep. 
When did they clone the first sheep? Shit, they cloned the first sheep in 1996. You think they were just kind of like, okay, well, let's stop here. Well, that was a good run. I guess we won't. Hmm. All right. Hell no. Y'all know they be cloning. Uh, I'm looking at the internet, y'all. They say in 2002, the group Eve, um, they cloned the first baby. So I'm just letting y'all know this is it was a lot of predictive programming happening up in that show. Let me let me look up the definition for predictive programming for the girls. But like I already gave y'all the definition, but I just want to say something about it. Also, the Simpsons always have a lot of predictive programming. Definitely check them out, honey. Go and check them out, baby. Um, but yeah, predictive programming is basically it just where there's a lot of symbology in entertainment that we see that gives us context for understanding what the future holds. It's So imagine you're in the dream, you're in Beyonce's dream, hanging with her girls, you know, in the stadium. Um, so let's get into Metropolis, which is a very big theme um, that we see throughout the show. And she actually represents one of the main characters of Metropolis. Um, so let's get into Metropolis. And again, Janelle Monet also created the Arc Android, the Arc Android album. Go listen to that if you are interested in more science fiction, um, dystopian themes that have influenced um, different types of musicians. And y'all know Janelle Monet is queer too. They, them. A lot of people don't be recognizing their pronouns, but um, yeah, they, them. But they, they identify as non-binary. But yes, that's a really great album. I, I love every song on that album. It's just, it's beautiful. Um, so this is really cool that Beyonce is drawing from this. So remember, these are the images we're seeing through the interludes. And also, I feel like back in, um, you know, that you can be a sweet dream or a beautiful nightmare. Either way, I don't want to wake up. That is, she turns herself into a robot in that also and it very much so resembles um this robot maria or the machine i'm trying to say that in german um okay so what is metropolis let's get into metropolis if you haven't already it it, go look it up. It's a German expressionist science fiction film directed by Fritz Lang, released in 1927. So imagine back in 1927, they had this this kind of stuff. And it's literally about to be 100 years later. We almost at 2027. Like, And AI is a big theme. I'm just telling y'all, I'm telling y'all class warfare is another huge element in this movie, but let's go over it, okay? Um, silent film, like I said, so it has a major 
influence on science fiction and dystopian filmmaking. It introduced many cinematic techniques and visual styles that later became staples of the genre. And so the plot is the um, is set in a futuristic city where the wealthy live in luxury above ground, while the oppressed working class toils in harsh conditions below. It explores themes of class struggle and industrialization. So we are already seeing the effects of climate change and how the effects of climate change typically affect those who have been historically marginalized in terms of um, socioeconomics, so black peoples. So if you think about these wildfires, look at Hawaii. All the mansions did not get burnt up over there. And it's very ironic, they were up higher um, also think about there's wildfires that are happening in Louisiana that have been happening. I think they, they might have put them out, but um, New Orleans had a whole fire warning, like the fire ban. You couldn't even light a match outside, honey. Um, and that is a byproduct of pollution. It's a byproduct of the way that our economic system has decided to allocate energy is industrialization. Um, if you look at Cancer Alley, Cancer Alley is this part of Louisiana that's literally 40 minutes outside New Orleans. Um, it's called Cancer Alley because for decades, black people who are mostly the people that live around there have been getting cancer at like it's like the rates are horrendous. It's like everybody be getting cancer there. And it's because they're using all these pesticides. It's agricultural land, but also there's a lot of manufacturing shit. And it's in the air. Like they even be talking about how it smells bad and stuff like that. So people there get cancer at very, very high rates. And there's a lot of oil and industry there. So it's like, why would y'all put all that stuff there? Um, why would y'all put all that stuff there knowing a hurricane can come through and, you know, fuck up everything? It doesn't really make a lot of sense, you know? Um, that doesn't really make a lot of sense, you know? It's just kind of like, why are y'all setting this up like this when you know that it's harmful and you know that it's mostly affecting working class people? So this is another part, the theme, theme that we see in the film. It's about the negotiation. It's about the relationship between technology because there are ethical ways to go about technological advancement where you can use technology in a more um, egalitarian way instead of transforming society into a technocracy, which is what we, we see today. Um, especially after COVID and, you know, screens became more of a theme, you know, um, and there is definitely a change in the economic system. Um, so it's very interesting, you know, in the plot of this city, of Metropolis, these are themes that we see, and we're seeing these themes now. And, you know, Oprah got all that land. Did her land get burned up? 
Oh. <laughs> oh, it didn't. <laughs> hmm. Oh, she's. Oh, she said she's gonna donate a lot of money. This isn't alleged. She said this. Oh, she's gonna donate a lot of money after things settle down to re. Oh, for efforts to rebuild. Oh, they were talking about a smart making Maui a smart city, huh? They were gonna be hosting a tech conference. Oh, what? This y'all go look at TikTok. I'm not saying TikTok is legit news, but they it did is a whole website, the Digital Summit. They even came out and said something about it. It says on there, don't speculate that this Digital Summit came about because of the fires, because we're trying to turn this into a smart city. When it's like, what y'all talking about? Y'all already know what it is. So it's like we are we're already seeing people. I mean, if you look at working class um, groups in cities, look at the the food that varies according to class. If you if you rich, you can get the best food without the, all the chemicals and stuff in it. But then if you if you're poor, you're gonna have to get all the food that's been processed. So it's like very it's weird, you know what I mean? Um, so that is another theme. So we also see Beyonce talking about um, <clears throat> the use of propaganda, you know, to influence the ways that people think and the ways that people move, you know what I mean? So let's dive a little bit into the iconic robot, um, Maria Machininmich. I suck at saying that machinenmensch so let's dive into her so maria 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 she was a story <laughs> in a spanish hollow it's like a movie star anyway so listen to this commentary so maria in the 1927 German Expressionist science fiction film, Metropolis is a fictional robot character that has become iconic in the history of cinema. So um, the purpose of Maria, who is designed to be a lifelike humanoid robot, um, she is very striking in appearance in terms she's sleek, futuristic looking, art deco. Um, the robot Maria is used by the city's wealthy elite to deceive and manipulate the working class population. She is used to incite workers' revolt, and then she also led to the workers um, that led them to their doom. And her actions create chaos and unrest in the city. Very interesting. So Maria's character and her transformation into a robot serve as a powerful allegory in metropolis she symbolizes the dehumanizing effects of industrialization and class exploitation wow so in the dystopian city of metropolis maria is created by the mad scientist rotuang 
who models her appearance after the film's female protagonist, Maria, who is a human character. Rotuang's creation of the robot Maria is part of his scheme to manipulate the workers and disrupt the societal order. So this is very huge. Um, Maria's character has had a lasting impact on science fiction and cinematic history. Her design and portrayal influenced subsequent depictions of robots and androids in film and popular culture. The concept of a lifelike robot that blurs the line between human and machine has also been explored in later works. Um, very powerful statement there. So it's kind of like very interesting. She is modeling herself as the disruptor. I'm gonna put this this photo on the blog because it got they got some witchy imagery in here too. For real, I'm like, what? It looks sleek though. I like it. I fucks with it. Okay, <clears throat> so let's look and see. The robot is both the source of wonder and opportunity. So I'm reading an article here by Katie Hogan on Cinema Year Zero, Metropolis, Metropolis Lang. I love, I really like this analysis. So looking at, because um, Beyonce is this character throughout the Renaissance show. It's who she transforms into. It's like, well, the process that we go through when we see her in that portal, you know what I mean? Which I like I said, I'm gonna put them photos up so y'all can see so y'all can see what I'm talking about. Um de que hablo. Okay, so let me see where was I? The robot is both the source of wonder and opportunity as well as the catalyst of the destruction inflicted on the people of Metropolis. But who is actually responsible for the robot's actions? If a robot disguised as a woman but controlled by a man could wreak havoc and bring a city to its knees, the audience has to wonder Lang's choice to give his robot the image of a woman and what it says about technology, control, and how women are portrayed in science fiction. So that's a whole nother deep level. Um, we also have, let's see, we have like a lot of kind of themes of her being the disruptor. So this, after the robot stuff, it goes into America We has a problem. Um, America, 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 America has a problem. And that is when we see the stock market images and she's like the bee, the queen bee. Um, and it's interesting cause it's like, are you saying that all the bees like just follow the queen bee and just do whatever? Um, but it's clearly, you know, a play on the fact that the stock market and the media and all that kind of stuff. There's, I'm like, Oh, events, certain events do actually affect the stock market, though. And the media, in a lot of ways, can affect the stock market and affect the ways people invest their money. There's some deeper, there's some deeper shit there, but I would implore you to go and look up some of this stuff on your own and just dive down all the rabbit holes because... Your girl, I can't, I can't go, I can't do all, I can't do the whole ana analysis, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I would definitely suggest that you go and do your own research on that part. But um, let's see, is there anything else that I want to talk about with Metropolis? So yeah, like I said, 
a lot of these images it's just very interesting so next let's move on to um barone samedi the voodoo baby so this is very interesting that she has um again i'm not initiated in voodoo i just know that barone samedi people when they are um working with when they're this the gede black and purple that you wear the people wear shades a lot with the gay day. Um so Barone Samedi. Alright, so let's go over the part um before Church Girl, which is very interesting. So during this interlude, it's like we see Beyonce in a church and there's people in the pulpit, kind of like a congregation on the side of her and they are wearing black shades also and they're kind of like just sitting there and she is like a central figure almost like looking like a priestess almost honey and there's a bunch of white candles um burning over to the left and we know that candles represent spirits honey um and then she has her hands up and she has the shades on. And then there's like a set of candles burning in the back. So this is very much so giving who do who do honey. Um and let's see. And also this reminded me, this just made me think about Barone Samedi because and also um the Gede in um Vaudu because like I said I, like I said, I'm not initiating in Vodou or nothing like that, but I do see people wearing the shades with the Gede um, veneration ceremonies. And so Barone Samedi, I wanted to talk about, is uh, a prominent figure in Haitian Vodou um, and is a loa of the Vodou pantheon and holds a special place as the guardian of the dead and rules a cemetery. So guardian of the dead, um, he's often depicted dressed in formal attire, including a top hat, which is she's kind of wearing she's wearing a hat a tailcoat um and dark glasses he is a guardian of the deceased and is responsible for ensuring that they reach the afterlife safely so this is that ancestral connection um because after this it goes into like some a montage of like images and scenes with um like J setting and different things, elements of black Southern culture and the church. So this is kind of like a drawing a connection. So uh, Barone Samedi is also a trickster and engages in crude humor, smokes cigars, enjoys alcoholic beverages. Um, but yes, Barone Samedi is, is linked to the cycle of life and rebirth and represents the duality of life and death and serves as a reminder of the interconnectedness of the two. Um, so he can also be invoked for healing purposes and for magic. Um, and so definitely it was giving those vibes very interesting. Um, and then she has like anointed on here. So this section was very much so who dude down all the way for sure. Um, I just want to say thank you, Beyonce. Like, this show was amazing. Thank you for your gift. And I also want to thank my, my queer people, my LGBTQIA plus people, to is two spirit people in it too now. Um, 
because we we the shit you know we deserve this we deserve even more recognition because we we're the blueprint for a lot of creativity you know what i mean because queer people are every gender every race every religion every creed whatever um but yeah, that is my Beyonce analysis. Let me please leave me a leave me a positive review. Leave me some good stars. Um, check out the blog where I'm gonna be posting these um these things. Um, posting some photos, posting some links and some videos you can get into to learn more about some different concepts that I talk about in the show. Um, but other than that, happy Virgo season. And we will definitely be back with another episode. Um, I am actually working on my first product right now. So stay tuned. Thank you for tuning in. Sending you so much love and positivity. Peace. <laughs>